0: Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is The Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because The Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of The Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Had a little bit of audio difficulties this morning, Um, so I'm not going to be able to hear the clips today, which kind of sucks, but I did do a lot of prep, so I should know what they all say. Um, So hopefully everyone can hear all the audio coming out. They should. I just think for whatever reason, I can't hear it. It's okay. We will push through it. Lots to talk about today. Today begins the GOP's official betrayal, backstabbing as it relates to the Second Amendment, Mitch McConnell has instructed John Cornyn and a number of other Republican senators. If you you think you have an idea who who it is, you're right. To begin working with Democrats, begin working with Democrats on a gun control, what they call compromise. A gun control compromise. There is no such thing as a compromise. First of all, you don't compromise on basic God-given natural rights. There's no compromise there. You don't hear... The left ever talking about compromise on things that they claim are rights, I don't understand why we are expected to compromise. Second of all, though, it really isn't a compromise because a compromise involves give and take. A compromise involves both sides agreeing to not get everything they want and in exchange they get some of what they want. You will notice that in this compromise, gun gun owners, gun rights supporters, they don't get anything from these proposals, Right. I mean, I, I've said this on my on my TikTok. If you haven't already followed me, Max J. McGuire on TikTok, um, I've been putting out videos and explaining the idea of a compromise. If we wanted to talk about an actual compromise, which I don't think I would support, but it would be interesting to talk to them about it in exchange for changing up the background check system, strengthening it up a little bit, in exchange for that, a compromise would be that you pass concealed carry reciprocity nationwide so that the people who pass those background checks and have the ability to carry in their home state would be allowed to carry in all 50 states. That would be a compromise, right? One side gets something, the other side gets something. But no, when we talk about compromise as it relates to gun control, there's never anything on the table for us. There's never anything on the table for gun owners, gun rights supporters. The compromise... Is that the left says, oh, instead of taking all of your guns, we'll only take some of them this time. I've said this many times before, but if you meet someone halfway, four times in a row, they end up getting something like 94% of what they want. It's crazy, but the math does work out. Multiply 0.5 by itself four times and you'll see, whoa, the other side's getting pretty much everything they want. And that's what we've been going through second amendment supporters, gun rights supporters, gun owners, for years and years and years and years, we've been told that we need to compromise, that we need to meet halfway. And every time we agree, think of it like a a cake or a pie. Every time we sit at the table, they are demanding half of the pie that's on the pie uh, that's on the tray. So we start out with a full circular cake or full circular pie. They demand half, so we get them half. The next time they demand half of what's left Oh my goodness, half of a half, that's a quarter. They demand half again. Well, that's that leaves us with 12.5%. And then when they demand half of that, well, there you go. We're left with a little over 6%, which is how you get to what I just said. Four compromises, four meeting people halfway gives them almost 94% of what they want. They're here again to do that. They're here again to do that with a number of proposals. They're throwing everything at the wall, hoping that something sticks. We'll talk about the push for an assault weapons ban a little bit. But the main thing that they think they can get through is is a background check bill. So I want to talk about what that actually means. And I want to go through a very big flaw in their argument, which they don't care because they're quite literally grandstanding on the caskets of dead children. I go through this in my book, which if you haven't already, you got to pick it up. Now's the time to be reading this book, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument, available on Amazon and Barnes Noble. Links are in the description. Something we hear over and over and over again is that the, the left says, well, this bill, whatever bill they're proposing, this bill might not have stopped this mass shooting, but it will stop the next one. That's something that they always have to admit because when you call them out on it, the legislation that they propose never actually would have stopped the shooting that took place. You ever notice that? Never ends up actually stopping the shooting that took place. This is a meme that's going around. Adam Best put it out on Twitter, but lots of people are posting it now. Going after the AR-15. And I'm not going to talk too much about the AR-15. I've talked about it at length. If you're a gun rights supporter, you know that the AR-15 is not any more dangerous than any other rifle. I mean, they are terrified of this. This is a 223 round because we're going to play a little game later after watching a clip from Biden. They they say that this is a weapon of war, when in reality, the 223 round was developed off of the 222 two, two round, which was a varmint round. It was designed to kill coyotes and, and other varmints that you'd find on a ranch, prairie dogs, things like that. Little tiny 22 caliber bullets. They're going after that. So if, if you're a gun rights supporter, you already know that the Air 15 is nonsense. But I want to use this list. Because the AR-15, they're not only using this list to go after AR-15s, they're using this list of mass shootings to claim that we need background checks. So I thought it would be an interesting little experiment today to go through this list of how many? 2, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. 14 mass shootings. Legitimate mass shootings, not the one where it's a murder-suicide and the left says that counts. Actual mass shootings. I want to go through these and I want to show you just how few and and to my knowledge there's only one on this list where a background check law might have stopped it, but then at the same time they probably that shooter probably would have acquired his gun in a different way. But let's go through this, right? So we have the Ivaldi shooting. This happened just this past week. Tragic. couple hours from where I live, heartbreaking. I, I still can't even wrap my head around what those parents are feeling. And by the way, the police should be ashamed of themselves in Ivaldi. They should be resigning. Um, to claim that they didn't rush in because they were afraid they were going to be shot. Despicable, unacceptable, unforgivable. That entire department should be resigning. In Evalde, Texas, the gunman legally bought his AR-15 a couple days after his 18th birthday. He was not a prohibited person. You go to federal law, the, the Gun Control Act of 19, was it 62? Um. I, mean, I, I Gun Control Act, GCA of the 60s, um, that law defines what a prohibited person is. This is someone who cannot legally own or possess a gun. Now, we've all known the different prohibited person parts of the statute. There are more now than there used to be. But generally, it's if you committed a felony, if you commit a violent domestic, uh, domestic violence misdemeanor right if you've been dishonorably discharged from the military if you're an illegal alien if you're a fugitive from justice if you're um if you were involuntarily admitted to a mental health facility if you were adjudicated to be mentally defective by a court or some kind of body um what other ones am i missing if you um if you're an addicted to a controlled substance an illegal drug right there all the these lists of different ways you can become a prohibited person. When you go to buy a gun at a gun store, if you're a prohibited person, that means the background check will come up as a no-go. Do not sell them the gun because you're a prohibited person. In Uvalde, the shooter was not a prohibited person. He did not do anything that under the law would have made him a prohibited person. So when he went and had that background check done, he passed the background check. Background check laws are only as good as what databases they query from. So a kid who just turned 18 Unless he lives in a state where a juvenile record is admissible, and unless he has a juvenile record, there really isn't anyone who a day after their 18th birthday would show up as a prohibited person. There are some states that allow the background check system to pull from juvenile records. Most states do not because they're juvie records. They're sealed in most cases, unless you're tried as an adult. So he passed his background check because he was not a prohibited person. So the claim that we need background checks after a mass shooting where someone passed a background check it's illogical, but that's what they do. Let's go to Buffalo. In Buffalo, the mass shooter, I'm not going to mention his name. You can see it on there. He purchased his Bushmaster XM-15 at a Tops friendly market from a federally licensed gun dealer. He passed a background check. Anytime you see someone buying a gun from a gun dealer, that means they passed a background check. Otherwise, we would have heard about it because the gun dealer would have been selling guns without background checks. So Buffalo passed it. What's next? Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. We are using law enforcement databases, the affidavit said investigators determined Alyssa had purchased a Ruger AR-556 pistol on March 16th. A law enforcement official said that he had not been previously subjected to any FBI investigation and says it appears nothing in the federal system would have prohibited Alyssa from buying a firearm. He passed a background check, bought his gun in Colorado, a state that has universal background checks. He was a legal purchaser. He did not have a criminal record. What's next? Orlando. The Orlando shooting, another heartbreaking shooting, but in this case, the Orlando shooter also passed a background check. Owner of the Florida gun shop, where Orlando Gunman, legally purchased weapons, said the shooter passed a full background check, and he called him evil. So Orlando passed the background check. Parkland, Nicholas, I almost said the name, passed a background check, including a mental health question, to get an AR-15 rifle in Parkland, the shooter Passed a federal background check. Bought his gun at a licensed firearm dealer in Vegas. The Vegas shooter bought guns from two different gun shops. And in both cases, he passed a background check. But they're saying we need it. In Aurora, the Aurora Theater shooting. The Aurora shooter purchased a Glock 22 at Gander Mountain in Aurora. Six days later, he bought a Remington 870 Express at Bass Pro Shop then he purchased a Smith & Wesson M&P-15 sport rifle. All three of these weapons were purchased legally and background checks were performed. Sandy Hook. In this situation, the shooter stole the gun from his mother and killed her. But Nancy Lanza, the mother, bought the gun legally in Connecticut and passed a background check. So applying background checks to someone who steals a firearm That that doesn't make any sense. The gun was legally purchased. A background check was conducted. He stole the gun from her and shot and killed her. This one is actually close. The Waffle House shooting. The gunman got the gun from his father. He had owned the gun and been involuntarily admitted to a mental health facility, which made made it under Illinois law he couldn't possess the gun. His father says that he didn't know His son had been treated at the mental health facility just that he had went there. So he gave the son the guns back. But it's important to remember the son legally purchased the gun originally before he had become a prohibited person. So there was no failure in a background check system here. And even the Democrats who are pushing and Republicans who are pushing background check laws, even their proposals now do not require background checks to be conducted when a father gives their son a firearm. That is an exception within the laws they are writing now. So even their big proposal, big solution, wouldn't have applied to this situation. Another interesting one in San Bernardino. The San Bernardino shooters did not purchase the gun because they were worried they were going to fail the background check. So they had another man, Enrique Marquez, allegedly purchased the gun for them. I believe that's why he's up there for this, though I might be wrong with the name. They had a friend legally purchase the gun for them, and then give it to them. So they gave the friend the money. The friend went in, passed the background check, bought the gun, and then handed the gun to them illegally. That's called a straw purchase. That's illegal. No amount of background check laws will, will stop straw purchases because straw purchases, the whole purpose is to avoid a background check law. So no, extra background checks would not have stopped the San Bernardino shooting because they had a they used a straw purchase to get around the background check. This is the one, Midland-Odessa, this is the only one on this list where the person was a prohibited person and and uh, purchased the gun from a private seller. The headline, Gun Law loophole. It's not a loophole, allowed Odessa Mass Shooting Suspect to buy AR-15 type rifle. He was federally prohibited from possessing a weapon due to mental illness, but he purchased his rifle in a private sale. This is the one in this long list where a requirement on background checks for private sales would have impacted his ability to acquire the weapon the way he did. Now, there is no telling what that shooter would have done if that law was in place. Maybe they would have gone the same route as the San Bernardino shooters and had someone else buy it for them as a straw purchase. Maybe they would have had a family member give it to them. We don't know. There's so many ways around the background check law, it's silly. But this is the one case in this long list here of all these different mass shootings, the one example where someone who would have failed a background check acquired a weapon through a private purchase. The Poway Synagogue shooter purchased his weapon from a San Diego gun store. Had the receipt, had all background check paperwork, so he passed a background check. In Sutherland Springs, we know that the Sutherland Springs shooter passed a background check because the Air Force failed to report certain convictions and adjudications to the FBI. So he underwent a background check, and then he passed it. Now, since then, they have fixed this problem and made sure that the military service branches are all reporting their adjudications and their convictions to Nick, so this never happens again. But he passed a background check. He did. He he passed a background check. In Pittsburgh, the Tree of Life Synagogue, the shooter had a carry license and legally owned an AR fifteen, a Colt AR fifteen SP one, and three Glock three fifty seven handguns. That's a lot of three fifty seven handguns. He had passed a back. Not only had he passed a background check, but he had passed a background check to get his carry permit. So a background check here would not have done anything. Would not have done anything. So why are they pushing background checks? Why are they pushing changes to the background check system? There's a couple reasons here. One, they are desperate to get universal background checks. They want the federal government to know every time a firearm changes hands between two people. Right now, the background check requires the, the Brady Bill requires you to undergo a background check, fill out a 4473 form at a licensed gun deal or a pawn shop. They want to apply that to private sales and private transfers. They want the government to know every time a firearm changes hands. The problem with that is it either creates a registry because all it takes is them just saving that information as it comes across, or it would necessitate the creation of a registry because the only way to enforce a universal background check law with 300 some odd million guns already in civilian hands is to know who already has them, right? It's easy to enforce a background check law at a gun store because those are newly manufactured guns. There's a paper trail. The manufacturer assigns them a serial number, it then goes to the distributor, it goes to the gun store, and it's sold to the purchaser. All of those processes have forms involved, so you can trace it back. When it turns up at a crime scene, as long as the serial number's there, they can trace the manufacturer and then they follow it to the gun store. With a used gun, it's not that simple. Because if the used gun is older than the universal background check law, there is no way to tell... When the transfer happened, right? In states that do not have background checks on private transfers, there's no way to tell when the transfer occurred. So if if a used gun turns up at a crime scene, how can the government tell when it was transferred if the state law previously didn't require it, right? So any old gun, the defense to to an accusation that you didn't have a background check, the defense would be, oh, I transferred it before that law went into effect. And as long as the gun is sufficiently old, you can get away with that. So background check laws would necessitate the creation of a registry, of a universal database of gun owners. Otherwise, there's nothing to check against to ensure the background check actually happened. And world history teaches us that whenever countries force their citizens to register their guns, that registry is always used to confiscate them. Just look at what is happening in Canada right now. In Canada, you have to register your handguns. You have to register all guns, pretty much, especially semi-automatic rifles. You register them. The the government says, oh, you're allowed to own them. People purchase these rifles legally. And yet now, Trudeau is banning those rifles, demanding that their citizens pay them, uh, sell them back to the government and closing new purchases for handguns. Here's a little clip of this. Let's play Cut 17.
1: And now, as we see gun violence continue to rise, let me know it if you is our duty this. to keep taking action. Last summer, during the campaign, some politicians said they would make assault-style weapons legal again. Not only did we stand up to them, but we promised to go even further to protect our communities. We proposed to invest to help provinces and territories put restrictions on handguns, within their jurisdictions. However, in our discussions with law enforcement, advocates, and experts, it became apparent that we needed a different solution. So we decided to take a new route, something that would tackle this issue at a national level. And so today, we're moving forward. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns.
0: So that is, uh, to borrow a line from Star Wars, that is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. in. In Canada, sorry about that. In Canada, they are now, um, in Canada, they will now push through this new gun control. Because of a shooting in the United States, semi automatic rifles, what they call assault weapons, they're gone. You have to sell them back. Handguns, they're closing the registry. So it's only a matter of time before they force handgun owners to sell them back. The only way they're allowed to enforce a mandatory buyback is because everyone who owns them is already registered, they know who they are. They know the names. They know their addresses. They know what guns they own. So just north of us, they are quite literally this week taking a registry and using it to engage in confiscation because don't buy the language. A buyback is confiscation. Forcing someone to get rid of their property is confiscation. The fact that they're giving them a few bucks in exchange doesn't change anything. It's compulsory surrendering of firearms. So it's happening right north, just north of the border. They're taking registry and using it for confiscation. So that is why background checks terrify gun owners. It's not that we're afraid that we're going to fail the background checks, though I'm sure some people are. Yeah, the background checks do cost money, which is obviously a violation of our rights, forcing us to pay out of pocket. You look at the law, you look at case law related to things like poll taxes. Well, back then, the poll taxes or a couple bucks. Obviously, adjusted for inflation, that's a lot more today. But still, a $10, $15 background check. At what point does that become violative of our rights? I say we're already there. Clearly, we're already there. The other fear for background checks is not that we're afraid, that gun owners are afraid that the current law will be used against us, but that the law will be changed to add more things to the list of prohibited persons. Again, I go through all of this in my book Pick it up if you haven't already. Link's in the description. So there's lots of Democrats talking about adding to the list of things that would make you a prohibited person. So if you get charged with stalking, not even convicted, they want just charged with stalking someone, then you should have to give up your guns. You lose your guns permanently. Your gun rights permanently. If you have a bad divorce and your ex-spouse claims that you're doing something to her that you didn't do, well, there you go. Gone permanently. They want to add people to the background check system if they think you are racist. Well, I've been called a racist. I'm sure you've been called a racist. Everyone who supported Donald Trump has been called a racist. If you supported Mitt Romney, you were called a racist. Remember, Biden just gave that speech, Ultra MAGA. In Congress, they're trying to pass a new bill that would give them extra powers to go against us for things like domestic terrorism. They're trying to expand the list. So if they say, oh, you're racist. You can't own guns anymore. What does that mean? What does that mean? You look through case law. You look through Brandenburg v. Ohio, a famous First Amendment case. The government tried to punish a KKK leader for egregious, disgusting, racist speech. It said you can't go on a rally and and, and say these things. It's disgusting. It's, it's un- intolerable. Supreme Court ruled that, yeah, as intolerable as that speech is, it's protected. And unless in that situation it, it involved an imminent call to lawless action, you cannot punish someone just because of what they say. So how is it that you have a First Amendment right to espouse these disgusting beliefs, but doing so would eliminate your Second Amendment right? It doesn't add up. It, it, it's, it's patently unconstitutional. and yet That's where the left is taking this. So the fear isn't background checks now. Fear is what a background check could be used to create a gun registry later and confiscation, but also that the background check prohibited person list could be expanded to include other things to take away Americans' firearms. And these are all legitimate fears because the prohibited person list has grown since the 60s. It now includes domestic violence misdemeanors. A misdemeanor. You can go to prison for for less than one year and lose your gun rights forever. They want all these other crimes added. All these other crimes added. They want to expand it. That's the biggest fear. And they're not just going after AR15s. I mean, I showed you this, this is a 223 round. This is a, a actually I think this is 556. Five, nope, this is 223. 223 round, this is what the AR15 fires. That's a 20 caliber bullet. I want to play this clip because this is Joe Biden claiming that a 9mm bullet will blow out someone's lungs. Let's listen to this. Cut 16.
2: And they showed me an
0: a, 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 a x-ray. He said X- and I apologize, it's a little hard to hear because there is some background noise, but try and listen in.
2: 22 caliber bullets will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out. We may be able to get it and save the life. A 9mm bullet blows the lung out of the body the idea of these high caliber weapons is just, there's simply no rational basis for it in terms of it's about self protection, hunting. I mean, I just
0: remember the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. Oh, uh, so where do you start? Where do you start? A 9mm will not blow out someone's lungs. This is a 9 millimeter, 9 millimeter bullet. I actually had to dig for this. I don't shoot 9mm as much. 9 um, millimeter bullet. This would not blow out someone's lungs. I mean, I guess technically it maybe could. But the idea of this hitting someone and blowing a huge hole out the back isn't going to happen. It just isn't going to happen in a 9 millimeter. I wanted to just show you what it would take though. Because if they're willing to go after this. Nine millimeter, and they're willing to go after this, two, two, three. I don't want them to know about the bigger rounds. But let's let's go through it. So, if a nine millimeter, what about a seven point six two Tokarev? This shoots a little bit faster. It wouldn't blow a hole in in, through your lungs. It wouldn't blow your lungs out your back. What about a forty five ACP? Just for comparison, here's the nine millimeter. Here's the 45 ACP. No, a 45 ACP would not blow a hole out your back because 45 ACP, unless they're supercharged with extra powder, are subsonic rounds. They don't actually move that fast. Well, they move fast. They're still gunshot, but it's it's most of them are t- subsonic. So a 45 wouldn't blow a hole in your back. Let's keep going though. What about this 7.62 by 39s for an AK-47? Would this blow a hole in your back? Blow your lungs right out your body? Probably not. It would do a ton of damage, but it probably wouldn't do the damage that Joe Biden just described. Remember, he said this would do it. And I'm telling you, this rifle round wouldn't even do it. Let's keep going up, though. We're, we're going to get up to some rounds that actually might do that. This is a 308. 308, probably, I would say, probably not. Though it is possible. It's just, it's basically a 7.62 round with a little more oomph behind it. But this one, 762 by 54 r this is what the Russians used in World War II. Uh, probably not. Probably not. I mean, maybe, again, it's the same size bullet as as uh, the other th- uh, 308 caliber bullets, 7.62 bullets. I don't think so. Maybe. What about this one? This is a, this is an end block of 30-06. Now, this has a lot more power. This might, the right bullet, might do that. The right bullet might blow out your lung, shoot, blow out a hole. But I don't think so. Maybe, probably not. Then we get to this. 50 Beowulf. 50 Beowulf. Would this blow a hole in your lungs? Yes, this would. If this hit you, your lungs are going out your body. Yeah, th- this would do what Joe Biden described. What all? What what else would do what Joe Biden described? This. Fifty BMG. Yes, this will blow a hole right through your lungs. Absolutely. This is actually just a dummy round, but yeah, this would do it. I wish I had a fifty BMG. I don't have anywhere to shoot it. So just for comparison of the bullets that I have, these are the two that would blow a hole through your body and send your lungs outside. You're back. Just for comparison, Joe Biden says this will do what this does. He thinks that the 9 millimeter will hurt you in a way that a 50 BMG would. This is the fear-mongering. Because if he can get them to ban this, then they'll ban everything else I just showed you. It, it, it's not stupid. People saw that and like, oh, he's so stupid. He thinks a 9 millimeter can do that. No. They are trying to fearmonger and make you afraid of this. This 9mm bullet. They already did it for this. This is a two-two-three. Look, look how small. It's a twenty-two caliber bullet. They've already made people think that this is high powered. Again, just to put it up against a three-zero-eight, they, they think that this is high powered. They think this is a safe hunting round. This is perfect. Fabulous hunting round. They look at this. Oh no, this is, this is a great hunting round this is this is a, a war machine this is a hunting round so he's already convinced you that this is evil now he wants to convince you that this is evil if they can get those two calibers then they can ban every single round so it's not stupid it's not stupidity it's not ignorance they are doing this on purpose they are setting the stage it took them decades to make people afraid of a two two three round and listen this can still kill you right it absolutely can kill you. But just historically, this was based on a round that was used to kill coyotes and gophers. The Army chose this because it was small. Because soldiers could carry a lot of them in the field. These are heavy. 308s are heavy. This is what the M14 shot still shoots. Carry a lot more of these in the field. And there's some anecdotal evidence to suggest that the Army wanted a round that would injure more than it killed in order to get... uh, the other side's medics out onto the field to take care of them, which then would allow you to shoot them. That's anecdotal evidence, though. I did a lot of research, haven't been able to find anything concrete on that. So that's why they're going after 9mm now. They're going after 9mm because if they can ban 9mm and they can ban two, two, three, then they can do what Trudeau is doing up in Canada. Ban handguns. Ban semi-automatic rifles that fire twenty-two caliber bullets. Wake up. This is happening right in front of you. And if you think the GOP is going to protect you, think again. Title of the show, GOP is beginning today. Their negotiations with Chuck Schumer and the left on a gun control package, what they're calling a compromise gun control package. There's no compromise here. They're selling you out. They're selling your God-given rights away. And it might not be what they actually do. The, The bill that they come up with won't be the thing that disarms us. It won't. It'll be what comes next. It'll be what comes next. It'll be what comes after that. I hate the slippery slope argument, but we've been on the water slide for decades. We've been on the water slide for decades, going all the way back to the Gun Control Act of the 60s. We've been on this slippery slope. And every couple of decades, they come back for another bite of the apple. The left, the gun control movement, is willing to fight a generational war on this. They are willing to do step by step by step knowing that they might not get everything this time, but their children will be back to finish the job. That, I mean, the only difference is Diane Feinstein, she is the crypt keeper. She's just going to be around for all of it, I guess. But this is what they're doing, piece by piece by piece, and the GOP is caving. John Cornyn is meeting with Democrats to negotiate gun control on the same week that he said he was too busy to go to the NRA convention in Houston. He's too busy to go to the NRA convention where he was supposed to speak. Instead, he's spending his time negotiating gun control. He claimed it was just a scheduling problem. Well, it didn't seem to have a scheduling problem when it comes to meeting with Chuck Schumer and the Democrats. So this is happening right now. I strongly suggest you write your congressmen, write your senators, um, call their offices. This is something that is tedious. It takes a lot of time, but it is effective for every hundred people that call in. They assume that there's a thousand, 10,000 in their district. Because they know not everyone's going to call. So even just a few dozen people calling can have a huge impact on whether or not someone supports the bill or not. So call. Find out your congressman's number. Find out your senator's numbers. Call, call, call. Email, email. Write handwritten letters. I know it's annoying. It's not as instantaneous. But when they get there, they they hold that with a lot of weight. A, A constituent who's willing to write a handwritten letter to them, they consider that to be is something important. Now, they might not listen to you, right? But they know that there's lots of people that feel the same way as you that aren't, that didn't want to take the time to do what you did. So it's a, it's a force multiplier in that respect. So please do reach out to them because this is happening right now. I'm not, this isn't fear mongering. This is happening. They are negotiating away your Second Amendment rights, your God given right to self defense. The other thing the GOP is talking about is raising the age to purchase a gun from 18 to 21. And you, you talk to a leftist and say, oh, that's common sense. I'm on board with that. Uh, that. That goes without saying. You don't even, don't even need to debate that. I'm sorry, eliminating the gun rights for adults? What about the 18-year-old single mom who lives in a bad neighborhood who just wants to protect herself? Her gun rights go away? What about the 19-year-old who works two, two jobs and has to come back late at night from their second job and doesn't want to get mugged? They lose their gun rights? What about the 20-year-old? The 20-year-old who signed up for the military when it was like, 17 got his parents' permission and now is coming back from his tour. He was just trusted with shooting the enemy, trusted with carrying weapons overseas. Now he's not trusted with, with having a weapon here. How does that work? And how does it work that they say 18-year-olds can't be trusted with defending themselves, but they say that 16-year-olds should be allowed to mutilate themselves or 15 or 14, however young they want to go with transgender surgery? The age of consent, the age of being able to make an adult decision, it's very fluid with these people. And obviously, uh, pun intended, it's very fluid. Twelve-year-old should be able to start hormone treatments, but eighteen-year-old single mother shouldn't be allowed to defend her kids. No. No, they said, well, you need you need to be twenty-one to buy alcohol. Show me in the Constitution where you have the right to buy alcohol. You have to be twenty-one to buy. To buy cigarettes, show me the Constitution where you have a constitutional right to purchase cigarettes. Those aren't rights. You have to be you have to be you have to be old to drive a car. We set limits on that. Again, there is no constitutional right to operate a motor vehicle on a public roadway. You don't need a license if you're just going to be a stock car racer and you're only driving on private land. <sighs> they have all these. They they think these are all gotcha arguments, but it's so easy to disarm all of them. And listen it's something that gets tiring. We've done it for, it seems like years. I feel like I've been doing this, I have been doing this for over a decade, arguing these same points, which is again, put it all in here in my book, link in the description. But these are fights you have to have, right? This is the price of your liberty. The price of your liberty, the cost of your liberty is eternal vigilance. They only have to get it right once. They only have to push through legislation once and then we lose. We have to win every time. We're on defense and we cannot afford to lose. And that's why it's so risky. That's why this is such a hard fight. Because only, we only have to make a mistake once for the other side to win. But that is the price. That is the cost of your liberty, eternal vigilance. You are not just defending your own rights. You are defending the rights of untold numbers of Americans who will come after you. It's true. You are not just... A, I Listen, we all think about this. Yeah, I need the right to defend my family, my neighbors, my friends, my, my co-workers, my community, myself. Absolutely. But this right, if this right disappears, even if they grandfather you in, they want this right to go away for future generations. They want, in the future, entire generations of Americans to live and die without ever being able to defend themselves. That's their goal. This experiment, this, this very, very... Uh, tenuous experiment with representative government lots of people think oh well the United States will always be here lots of people say oh well we've survived a couple hundred years we'll we'll make it there's no guarantee this, this experiment with representative government could fail tomorrow we don't know it could fail in 50 years I mean look at how long the United States has been around and compare it to other empires and this is a a drop in the bucket it's like, a, it's like a second in the whole scheme of cosmic time. But they are willing to fight these generational wars. They say, hey, listen, we, we couldn't get them in the 90s. Hey, we tried to do another push in the 2000s, didn't work. Hey, we tried after Sandy Hook in 2012, didn't work. They're now back for another bite at the apple. And if you do not fight back against them, they will get it. They will push something through. The Republicans are already caving. They are already surrendering. They are already meeting with them and trying to come up with a compromise. There is no such thing as a compromise when your God-given rights are on the table. You do not compromise on your rights. You do not compromise on your liberties. I'm sorry, it breaks my heart that children were killed in Uvalde, Texas, but let's be honest here. The police were there with ample time to stop most of these killings, and they didn't because they were afraid to get shot. The shooter, we were told he was confronted in front of the school by by an independent school district police officer. That never happened. He waltzed right in the front door because the front door was unlocked and may have actually even been left open, like propped open. So how about instead of of talking about taking away our gun rights or limiting our liberties, how about we just close the door? How about we lock the door? How about the police officer that was supposed to be out front actually goes out front? How about we try that? And yeah, how about we try actually having people, staff, teachers in schools who are trained and willing to have a firearm, not on their body at all times necessarily, but somewhere that's locked up where in a situation like this, they can grab it and they can save lives because you know what? I would take, I would take a teacher over the Evaldi Police Department any day of the week, any day of the week. But no, they say that the only solution is to take away your rights, take away my rights. I showed you the first part of this the first part of this episode, the background check claims they have, out of the 14 or some odd most recent school shootings that they're using to push the background check bill, only one potentially could have been stopped with a universal background check bill. And I say potentially because that shooter might have just acquired a gun in another way. Or gone on a rampage with some other weapon. No, they're 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 counting on you falling asleep. They're in this generational fight, and they are hoping that this time you will not fight back. Can't count on the NRA. NRA has been completely hobbled. These lawsuits, uh, they they don't receive as much uh, donations anymore. People aren't members anymore because of the Wayne LaPierre nonsense with him misusing money, which I'm I'm shocked he's still even involved. NRA isn't going to save you. The left paints the NRA as the boogeyman, but they are a paper tiger right now. No, it's up to you. It's up to you to push back against this. Like it's like everything's at stake because everything is. Everything is. So I, 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 we were going to have uh, Mr. Producer Josh on today. He had to, I thought it was going to be yesterday, but I forgot yesterday was a holiday. He's going to be on Thursday. So we're probably going to be talking about this again on Thursday. But I want to, before we leave, I want to play two clips for you. One, a clip from Joe Biden's speech on guns and another bit from Donald Trump's speech at the NRA convention. I want you to notice the stark difference in who they're blaming. Let's go ahead and play cut 18. This is Biden's speech.
2: And uh, we must ask when in God's name will we do what needs to be done to, if not completely stop, fundamentally change the amount of the carnage that goes on in this country. To state the obvious, and Cory and a lot of other people here, I'm sick and tired. I'm just sick and tired of what's going on. and continues to go on. I spent my career as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and as a Vice President working for common-sense gun reforms, as I said, as a senator and a Vice President. While they clearly will not prevent every tragedy, we know certain ones will have Significant impact and have no negative impact on the second amendment. Second amendment is not absolute. Oh,
0: cut it there. I can't, I can't listen to it anymore. Cut it there. Also, I want to say that Joe Biden went to Ovalde, Texas and claimed that there wasn't enough space for the Border Patrol agents to be there. Border Patrol agents are the one who shot and killed the shooter. So Biden was more than willing to meet with the local police who did nothing who showed more aggression towards crying parents than they did towards the shooter. He had all the time, all the space to meet with them, but he couldn't meet with the Border Patrol agents from the tactical group that actually took out the shooter. That was Joe Biden. I want you to notice the difference, though. Here's a bit of Trump's speech talking about what's to blame. Let's play Cut 19.
2: Beautiful moment of silence for something that should never have even been thought about, let alone happened. Each precious young soul that was taken is an incomprehensible loss — literally not comprehensible — stolen from us by a malice that no words can describe — sickness. The monster who committed this crime is pure evil, pure cruelty, pure hatred — absolute pure hatred. And while those he slaughtered are now with God in heaven, he will be eternally damned to burn in the fires of hell.
0: Notice the difference. Notice the difference between Joe Biden saying "enough is enough, we have to take on the gun lobby, take on this," and Donald Trump calling it as it is, saying that the shooters, shooters burning in hell, putting the blame on the shooter, not the blame on conservatives or the gun lobby, but putting the blame on the person responsible, this shooter. Also, I need to I need to research this more. I saw a quote from the shooter, the Uvalde shooter's mother saying that he had his reasons. That might be the most disgusting quote I've ever heard following a school shooting or a mass shooting. Now, I hope that she didn't insinuate what it seems like she was insinuating, justifying what he did. But I saw that over the weekend, and I, I had to... I assumed that it was misquoted, but no, the mother actually said that he had his reasons, which is... Uh, I, I don't even know what to say to that. But that's what she did say. And I want to play one more thing I mean, just notice the the stark difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. One, (laughs) There's only one president in those two clips. Let's just put it that way. And before we go, one more clip of Joe Biden. This was a a little bit of a Freudian slip. Him admitting that, according to him, democracy has never been good. He meant to say democracy has never been perfect, but it came out that he believes democracy has never been good. Let's play this last clip. Ladies and gentlemen... Today we remember, and
2: we reaffirm, freedom is worth the sacrifice.
0: Democracy is not perfect. It's never been good, perfect, but it's worth fighting for. So he he tries to say democracy has never been perfect, but what slips out is him saying democracy has never been good. And then he says perfect. That is, listen, he is not hiding his intentions. When, when people have what Biden has, mental decline, Alzheimer's, whatever you want to call it, they lose the ability to internally filter what they're saying. They lose the ability to filter and and not say offensive things. We've seen that for years with Biden. He just told you the truth. He says America has never been good. Again, I can't, There it's hard to find a a, a bigger difference between, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump. Just going to have to wait, I guess. It's 2024. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like the show, you want to support the show, buy the book. Again, I, I, I hate bringing it up, but now is the time. I don't like being a salesperson, but now is the time, really, if you want to learn how to defeat all these gun control arguments, my new book, Conservative: The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument, it's on Amazon, and for everyone who doesn't want to buy off of Amazon, it is on Barnes & Noble. Those links are in the description. Put my my heart and soul into this book, and uh, I think it's going to do a lot of good. It's going to help you out tremendously, because all these arguments are the same. They're not making anything up. Nothing's new. They trot out the same talking points every single time there's a mass shooting, and you're seeing it right here. So pick up my book. Link in the description if you want to support me, support the show, and arm yourself with all of the facts and anecdotes you need to win these arguments. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like the show, also make sure you subscribe on Rumble. It's really easy. There's a little green button. Hit the subscribe button. Also, hit that Rumble button. It's a little plus sign underneath the video. Very important. It helps us reach more people organically. So please, if you haven't already, hit that Rumble button. Very, very important. Also, subscribe to the audio editions on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible. All those places. Links are in the description. If you have an iPhone, iPad, MacBook, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can climb up in the rankings and more people can organically find us. Also, if you have purchased the book, if you didn't purchase it on Amazon, please do consider leaving me a five-star review on Amazon so I can climb up in those rankings as well. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand and fight together. See you tomorrow.